Welcome to the Performance Lab podcast. My name is Amanda Card, and I'm a first-year graduate student at Sarah Lawrence College in the theater department. And I'm Sarah Sterling, and I'm also a first-year graduate at Sarah Lawrence in the theater department. Today we have with us director, designer, and puppet artist Tom Lee. Hi, Tom. Hi there. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. We are so excited to talk to you today. Yeah. Um, so usually these podcasts happen after the workshop, but this one today is happening before the workshop. So do you want to tell us what we're going to be doing today? Well, sure. Absolutely. First of all, um, it's nice to be back at Sarah Lawrence since I actually taught here for, gosh, a whole decade. <laughs> wow. Teaching design and, and puppetry in these holiday halls. <laughs> uh, but no, and, and Sarah Lawrence was a big part of actually, um, Kind of me making my own work, making work on students in puppetry, and um, so it's just special to be back. But Dan, Dan Harlan, who's invited me here today, really wanted me to just um, do anything, he said. <laughs> but I thought that I would try to spend some time with uh, the grad students just giving uh, a bit of a picture about Japanese traditional puppetry, mm -hmm. which just happens to be something which, through my work and research, is a kind of major component of the stuff I make. So there's going to be a little bit of talking in our workshop where I just describe some of the history and whatnot, important thing to know. But um, I think the more hands-on and exciting part will be actually putting some of these very special puppets in your hands, mm. letting you see uh, both how hard it is and why it's been Japanese traditional puppetry is such an inspiration to a lot of Western contemporary puppetry. Awesome. So that's the that's the big picture. Okay. okay. How did you discover puppetry and how does it influence your art that isn't puppetry? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a it's a long story, but um, but I'll make it brief. Well, uh, first thing that's important to say is that I I, I grew up in Hawaii, mm -hmm. and as virtue of that, I just had a lot of exposure as a young person to a lot of Asian um, theater traditions, uh, Chinese opera. Wayang Kulit, Indonesian shadow puppetry, Bunyaku style puppetry from Japan. It was just kind of in the ethos of the world that I grew up in, but I was kind of a dorky theater kid. <laughs> and um, when I when I decided to go to college, I actually went to Carnegie Mellon to study acting. Mm. You know, so I went to this very strict uh, conservatory program. Came to New York and was auditioning and and working off Broadway and doing like my acting thing, but between those times, when I had to have a survival job, I was always usually working as a carpenter, stage oh, carpenter. Okay. And I worked um, primarily at La Mama Experimental Theater. And this is where I began to see artists working with puppetry that totally blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, just seeing work that was beyond what my kind of naive conception of puppetry had been, but also reminded me, too, of many of the Asian traditions that I'd grown up seeing, mm. um, not only kind of on stage, but also just culturally. And at a certain point, one of these artists, a woman named Theodora Stipitaris, mm -hmm. was, I was working on some puppets for her, making some things, and she said, Tom, you're, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> Have you ever thought about making your own work? Mm. Wow. And I said, what's that? <laughs> I, I really had come into like the whole process of making or of being an actor kind of in a very kind of conservative way I just was going to learn the role I'm going to go out and go 
comfortable <laughs> and interpret it. Mm -hmm. The idea of making my own work, that did not occur to me. And all of a sudden, like I discovered this whole new world, you know, that where I could express myself performatively and also design-wise through objects. Wow. And from that period, uh, a lot of with the uh, help and encouragement of Dan Herman, I should say, mm. my work has gone away from traditional acting performance and much more towards devised puppetry performance. Um, that's the full package. And just for me as an artist, this is an awesome combination of my kind of desire to perform and also of just being a, a maker and builder of things, which is kind of something I've done my whole life. So that's the story. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I have recently been bitten by the puppet bug yes. <laughs> in a big way. Uh -huh. um, and it's been incredible. Also surprisingly emotional. Yeah. Um, and we have an incredible puppetry teacher here, Lake Simons. Yes. yes, I know her name. I don't know why I was talking like I don't know her name. Uh, she's incredible. But um, I'm at a point right now at an artist where my excitement about this art form is kind of like farther than my skill mm -hmm. right. is. <laughs> so I'm really interested um, to know any advice you would give to someone who's looking to get into puppetry. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, it's awesome that you are seeing puppetry as something which could be part of your artistic expression and not the way a lot of the world's or a lot of people see it especially in the contemporary u.s as something that's frivolous or like um kind of meaningless because there is a lot of power in what a puppet object can bring to the stage mm -hmm. and um and in terms of it's it's also a long path it's also a long path because it's a complicated combination of so many different things there's a performative act aspect which requires like just learning how puppets move and analyzing movement and seeing how to transfer that movement onto a figure. Then there's the whole design like part, like how do I even build a figure that's gonna move the way I want it? Um, and um, so there's all these, these, these things in it. My, my biggest piece of, of simplest advice is that one of the most important things is to start making. Even if you feel like, I'm a crappy artist, I can't draw, I can't never built anything. But start making something, start using your hands, because the act of puppetry is very much connected with the, the tactile act of, of putting your hands into, into um, kind of uh, a creative like endeavor. And whether that means like making a mask or making a puppet or making a study of a head or just sketching, um, it's it's one of the most crucial things to be able to get get it out of your brain mm. and into the physical world because what happens in the act of puppetry is that you have physical objects you move around physical objects you imbue with life mm. and that can't be done just virtually mm. you know it has it's so that's a big thing and um, how do we, how you do that practically like you know I teach workshops where folks make heads you know make paper mache heads and then just try to see what that process is of, of sculpting. Or just go to the um, museums and look at, um, if you're thinking about figurative puppetry, just look at sculpture, look at um, sculptures of busts of heads. And not even just like um, realistic ones, but even abstract ones, right? 
so for me, that's the way that I've learned because I had I had like um, you know experience making things, but I was never classically trained as an artist, like taking art classes. I mean, never went to art school. Right. So everything I make comes from me just having experimented and kept on experimenting, even submitted to now. <laughs> I don't know if that's good advice. No, that's oh, great advice. Yeah. That's really great advice. I guess I'm wondering what in the world right now inspires you. It could be like media or live shows. What's happening that, that's exciting uh, to what you? What inspires me? Um, yeah. Geez, gosh. I guess, um, I mean, I'm taking a lot of inspiration just from... Uh, um, first of all, right now, from a lot of music that I've been listening to, um, uh, and um, I, I'm really into this band right now called um, uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor, which is amazing. You're into You should really listen to them. But anyway, they are uh, this Montreal-based like um, uh, like kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. experimental rock like symphony uh, with that uses a lot of like. Um, found audio and recorded audio and has you know they have like 20 to 30 minute tracks which which like you know going from like <laughs> calm like um place to like the most insane like heavy duty like guitar riffs and then back <laughs> again so um that's one thing that actually i've been just listening to a lot and discovered recently and i guess when i am making things this is just once again a product of my own artistic personality. I'm usually thinking visually. I'm, I've never been one to write a script or to like figure something out um, uh, with text. So I think that's why um, this particular band really responds to because I just get all these images in my head that that kind of um, kind of tell me a story. And I think that's one thing that attracts me to puppetry as well. Puppetry is very much a visual storytelling form. It's almost like an animated graphic novel, even if there is text, right? The information you receive from the puppets is is movement, is how they move. They move like they're talking, right? And so um, anyway, that's one thing that right now that I'm receiving a lot of inspiration because I've been traveling a lot and just listening to uh, <laughs> God's <you> Black Emperor. And <laughs> <laughs> check them out. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about um, Disfarmer. Yeah. Um, so Disfarmer was designed and directed by Dan Herlin, mm-hmm. our gem of a professor that we love, yeah. um, and was also the subject of a documentary called yeah. Puppet, which was directed by David Soul, which I watched mm-hmm. and loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just wondering if you could tell us about that process. Sure. Well, um, first of all, I, I just have to say that um, in this process of discovering like what puppetry could mean to me as an artist, Dan's work was seminal because mm. he is working at um, such a high level mm. in terms of combining this visual storytelling that I've, that I've um, mentioned with the, the art of puppetry and with a really, really keen sense of design. And this farmer is the craziest story you could imagine. You know, it's about a rural... Uh, Arkansas photographer in the 20s and 30s in a small town in, in Arkansas like um, as Dan said um, that's the kind of it was the kind of story that he hears and says ah <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
but working on it with him it, uh, was again just amazing both as a performer but also to watch the act of this thing being devised because um, basically this farmer was a person who by virtue of his very very sequestered and unique kind of life created these exceptional pieces of American portrait photography you know that are that are um, just held up as examples of like purely capturing like the soul of a photographic subject over decades in this small town and Dan was really able to find like kind of a way to put that into a perfect form that kind of helped paint the picture of this guy as an enigma and um, the piece itself is, is, is amazing but one of my favorite things about it was uh, the use of scale in the performance mm -hmm. and if you watch the performance um, and if you're going to watch it maybe you should stop listening now watch <laughs> it <laughs> but uh, the, the, there are actually many versions of the single disfarmer figure it starts off as a standard I would say 40 inch tall puppet but through the course of the show the puppet is gradually um, switched out and you don't even notice it at first but the figure becomes incrementally smaller over the course of the show. Until at the very end, there's only this like 10 inch tall figure. Mm. And at the end of the show, this 10 inch tall figure is still crawling over, climbing up, mm. getting and moving the objects that it previously moved when he was larger. Right? And so the, the effort, the, the, the um, kind of the, the physical um, physicality of having to climb up onto a chair where before you could just sit on it. Mm. All of that added up to this beautiful kind of um, metaphor about aging, about getting older, about literally disappearing. Um, and in puppetry, this is one of those brilliant things that you can do. You can represent that physically on stage. And so... Um, you know, just that idea of the performance uh, was really, really emotional. And I remember mm -hmm. that working on this uh, as part of one of the puppeteers on this team, that folks would come up to us afterwards and, and say, you know, we saw you the whole time. Of course, you're out there. We just felt like you were helping him, mm. like you were helping this man make it through his, mm. his life. And um, so yeah, that's one, like, peek into the process of this farmer. There's so many other things that that are, are present within making a puppet show like that. Um, but just the fact that you can do something like that, um, uh, like visually and allegorically inside a single performance represents um, kind of a state of being of aging physically. Mm. It's just, it's magic. Yeah. 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 How long did you guys, how long was that process? process I would say was about a year and a half to two years wow and but it was a process that because of puppetry requires building and making we would um, we would interrupt it like uh, we would have like a two-week workshop you know working with cardboard and sticks and <laughs> we'd go away for three months and Dan would build more things and we would help him build more things and then we had you know more fully constructed objects mm -hmm. and I would also say that uh, working on the show what Dan would do is he had very clear choreographic ideas of what he wanted, mm. but he also had a team that he really trusted. So he would basically set up 
set up a, um, a scene or an improvisation that you'd want to do, and then some rehearsals would be just let us let us go. Let's figure out how we can get this farmer from here to there. Let's figure out how we can move the entire puppeteer the entire set to do a transition from night to morning. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I think in in that process, time is really important. The time to be able to build, of course. Mm -hmm. The time to be able to be away from the object and return to to the rehearsal process to be able to see, you know, if what you're going for is, is coming through. Um, and in that respect, I think making really, really good quality puppetry work it, it requires that time. And also learning how the object moves. You know, if you have an idea of what a puppet looks like, you can design it, but it will never really live until human hands are on it. I guess I'm just wondering what you're working on right now and if we can keep our eyes out for mm -hmm. yeah. your work. <laughs> well, um, right now I'm working on a, a bunch of different things. I'm, mm. I'm now based in Chicago. So oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I am the co-director of the Chicago uh, Puppet Studio, <gasps> which is a studio that produces uh, puppetry and puppet design for um, uh, film and, and uh, theater in Chicago. So we've got two film projects that are coming up. Um, one is a music video, and then another one is a uh, kind of lunar meteor mm -hmm. um, piece at the Art Institute in Chicago. Mm. Uh, in terms of my own personal work, I'm about to go to Paris to tour uh, my work in Champs-Mer for um, uh, the Musée de Claire-Rémy, which is a, a Paris uh, museum for seven performances. And this is a work that I've done in collaboration with a Japanese master puppeteer. So that show has been touring for like five years. I can't believe it! <laughs> <laughs> and in the spring, um, uh, Koji Nishikawa, my collaborator, my Japanese collaborator, and I are doing a new workshop at the Henson Carriage House here in New York mm. um, about the writer Ryunosuke Akutagawa, who's known for writing the base material for the film Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa. Mm -hmm. And this film, if you don't know it, is one of the most influential um, pieces of Japanese cinema to come out of the 50s. It's a film that questions the nature of reality mm. about basically four and then five people experiencing a single event, but each one of them has a different recollection about what happened. Mm -hmm. And in our kind of post-truth age, um, where anyone can make the reality that they want or the facts that they want mm -hmm. it seems especially appropriate. <laughs> so anyway, those are things I'm working on. Awesome. Um, a lot of stuff. But. I guess we're going to Paris in that though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we come with you? Please? Sure. Okay, we were invited. Oh, sweet. It's official. We have it on tape. <laughs> Is there anything that we should have asked you that we didn't ask? Gosh, should have asked me. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I want to say that I, I miss Sarah Lawrence. I do. I made work mm. on students here, and and I when I when I first started teaching here, it was scared shitless. Oh, really? <laughs> I was because I, I felt like um, I didn't know what I was going to teach, and I didn't know I didn't I felt like I didn't have anything to give. Oh. But the act of teaching here and the act of interacting with students taught me, and it was a really important part of my just artistic development. So um, I guess the thing is that you just have mm -hmm. to start. You just have to you have to begin, mm -hmm. even if you don't know the end of the road. I mean, I know it sounds dumb and like philosophical, but mm -hmm. it was. I experienced that being here, 
and um, I always like to be thankful to have that have had that opportunity here. It's been awesome to talk to you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, and thanks for listening, um, yeah. all you listeners out there. <laughs> and, yeah, this uh, was Tom Lee. Yes. Check out his work. Yes. Art Institute. Website. Website is uh, TomLeeProject.com. Perfect. Awesome. And then tune in next time for the next Grad Lab um, performance podcast. Bye.